The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Yes, yes it is. It is the midday edition of Pure Opelka. If you're listening at night, thank you. Uh, Mike Opelka on Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. And I am damn glad to be here. I, I truly am. And yes, that's an obscure cultural reference to uh, Animal House and Rush Chairman Eric Stratton greeting the kids as they came into the Rush party. But it's uh, a, a bit of a throwback Thursday. We are going to do a little throwing back, but we're also going to be doing a little looking forward. I have a, a full plate of stuff here today. I'm mad at some people. I'm happy with some people. I'm over the moon with a couple of others. I have found I have found renewed hope in the future. I have been uh, totally turned around. I was in a little bit of a downward spiral the other day and then two little people, two tiny people changed me and made me think positive thoughts. So uh, I've got that going for me, which is nice. Um, we have some, some things to address. Uh, we've got some guests joining us, us today. At the bottom of the hour, I want to discuss a paper that Donald Trump signed just in the last couple of hours, uh, a, a notice that Donald Trump signed that appears to some people to be a broken campaign promise. And... He also has the the Rose Garden meeting scheduled today at 3 p.m. The Trump climate announcement. And this one's kind of interesting because if Donald Trump stays in the Paris Climate Agreement, he breaks a campaign promise. If he doesn't stay in the Paris Climate Agreement, he breaks Ivanka's heart, apparently. Which this is this is something uh, somewhat of a dilemma to the president. So we will see if the president's announcement over not moving the capital of Israel from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, as he promised on the campaign trail, if that holds up and if he stays in the climate accord. Those are two campaign promises in one day that would be broken. Is that a big deal? Do you care about either one of those? I would love to hear from you guys today. 
I would love to get your input on uh, so much of this. Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the phone number. Eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. I also have a a vital question of the day. You know I love the vital questions. I'm nosy as hell. I want to know about you guys. I care about what you think, what you do, and and I want to know what you're up to. But today's is one that has a practical application to it. Today's vital question deals with the subject of sleep and your brain. (laughs) I know, sounds kind of ominous, doesn't it? But I want to know how much sleep you need. I apparently don't need a lot. My other half needs a lot. I don't need a lot. I, I barely get six hours of sleep a night typically somewhere between four and six hours. And some of you who are parents or are are recent parents are probably saying, yeah, I get it. I get it. That's me. I was talking to Cal who happens to be pushing the buttons in Dallas at the moment. And uh, Cal's got a a small child and another one on the way. And I asked him, huh, you know, how much sleep are you getting? And so the, the question, the vital question of the day has to do with sleep. How much do you need? How much, uh, well, you know, we all know what we would like. We would like to be able to sleep without the constriction or the concerns of sleeping through an alarm. But currently, 21% of you say you need four to six hours. 58%, so the majority, a pretty strong majority, say six to eight hours is what you need. Uh, 12% of you say you, you need eight hours plus. And then there are 9% of you who are either vampires or zombies or some combination of both who say sleep. <laughs> what, what, what is sleep? What the heck is that? So join the conversation. Join the voting on the vital question. It's uh, one that, that's been bugging me because of a story I read uh, just a couple of days ago. And it's a story that shows a, a recent medical journal, the, the Journal of Neuroscience. Not a, this is not from the National Enquirer, but the, the headline reads, your brain may eat itself when you're overtired. Your brain may eat itself. Yeah, that's kind of a, that got me, got me clicking, right? A little bit of a clickbait headline. But here's the deal. If you deprive yourself of sleep, you can actually cause your brain to go looking for uh, nutrition in the form of neurons and uh, synapses, those synaptic connections. So you don't sleep enough, your brain starts munching on itself. A couple of neuroscientists from the, the March Polytechnic Institute in Italy led this study and they compared the brain's response to poor sleep habits using the brain response in, in people who are well-rested, or in this case, mice. So they had overtired mice and well-rested mice. And they were given varying amounts of sleep, ranging from that rock-solid eight hours to being forced to stay awake for five days straight. And during the sleep, they, they checked the brains. And they found that... Uh, there are there are cells that destroy old and worn out parts of the brain and uh in in the way of devouring it now that 
while you're sleeping, that's a good thing. Uh, rewiring and replenishing the day from, from nighttime to the next day. And according to their study, the brain eliminates what's irrelevant, holding on to what's vital and makes room for new memories. Kind of like going through your hard drive or your desktop on your computer and going, I know I saved that, but I really don't need that picture. I know that's a, a, a connection to a video of a snake that swallows another snake and then vomits it up and they're both still alive. I don't need that. I've sent that to everybody I wanted to send it to. But when you, when you stay awake instead of resting, the cells in your brain go into overdrive and they actually can hurt the brain. They can hurt your brain in thinking about that. You know, would you maybe then schedule a nap? The sleep-deprived mice had more action in these cells than the well-rested mice, which means their brains were starting to eat themselves. Really kind of bizarre, isn't it? 40% of the people in the country are estimated to get less than six hours of sleep each day. I guess I'm among that 40% because six hours is about the top. This is according to the CDC. There, that's 40 million adult brains that could be going clump, 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 chomping on their own gray matter, all the little cells up there. Come to think of it, I am going to schedule a, a, a nap this afternoon. But it's just one of those things. And I, I do think quality of sleep is important. I do think you have to you have to try and create an environment where you can sleep. Never had a TV in the bedroom in my adult life. Well, when I say adult life, I mean uh, since I've been connected to my my spouse. But as a as a kid, as a young man, yeah. But as a grown up, as an adult, have not had a TV in the bedroom, and I think that is important. There are some people who can't go to bed without the TV on. I know my parents in their later years had to have it on at high volume, something to do with, uh, what is it, tinnitus? That the TV would drown out the hissing? I, I don't know. But uh, I just can't have a TV in the bedroom now. The bedroom is for sleepy time, mostly. And so I, I encourage you to try and find out quality sleep and how you get there, as well as quantity under six hours, I guess we're now knowing that that's not good. And yesterday when we talked to Dr. Jorge and we discussed the spike in Alzheimer's in our world in just the last 15 years, up 55%, I wonder if quality and amount of sleep can slow down any onset of Alzheimer's. We talked about diet. We talked about the things they do suspect like aluminum in in our world in our deodorants as being a uh, a suspect in in triggering alzheimer's in people but we didn't talk too much about sleep i don't know i don't know how you feel about it but when i'm on a roll when i'm in a really good place work wise i don't want to sleep i don't want to i don't want to miss what's going on the next day and i'm always i'm always up early I have been an early riser since at least 1988. We always refer to it as burning daylight. 
if you uh, if you slept past dawn. And I know there are farmers like that, and there are uh, there are uh, ranchers like that too. But there are those of us in the media world who are the same way. So uh, let me know where you stand. Join the conversation either on the phones and, and tell me how much sleep you need and tell me how you feel about the president making this, um, this statement today, pausing the promised move of the American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, pausing it. He didn't tell us uh, when, but uh, I guess it's still, it's still on, the, on the books is going to happen, but we just don't know when. And we'll talk to um, the Free Beacons, Adam Credo, about that just a little bit from now. But I'd, I'd love to know your thoughts on it. Is this a broken promise? And if the president stays in the Paris Climate Accord, is that a broken promise? Join the conversation. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. Lots more to go today. Uh, I have a really interesting guest coming up a, top of the next hour you're not going to believe the theory that she has put forward about liberals and scientology i got a chill when i read it Uh, so much today and we'll be right back on pure opelka you're listening to pure opelka on the blaze radio network Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Oh, okay. I'm jumping the gun there. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Much going on today. Uh, The president's already made one statement he signed delaying the move of the embassy from Tel Aviv to uh, Jerusalem in Israel. The American embassy. Big campaign promise. Does it bother you? We're going to talk about that with the uh, Washington Free Beacons, Adam Credo, just after the break. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Uh, Also, put this on your to-do list. If you're like me and you've had problems with chronic pain, like I had knee problems from years of distance running, uh, decades of distance running, I I got to the point where I was thinking, I'm going to have to have knee replacement surgery. I'm going to have to either get new hips, new knees, uh, a set of both, and and the pain was so bad. And I was taking over-the-counter meds. And then about three months ago, just under three months ago, I tried Relief Factor, all natural Relief Factor. And uh, my life has changed. I I have not even thought about the knee replacements, the hip replacements. I'm doing more stuff. I'm playing more golf. I'm working in the garden. I'm getting up and down off the floor. No pain, no painkillers, not over-the-counter, not prescription. You should try it. Get the three-week quick start pack for 
get the information on relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or just pick up the phone and call them and give it a try. Most people saw results in seven to 10 days. Day eight, I made uh, a, a notice of my, my sudden change. And I have been, again, no more the little green gel caps, nothing in terms of pain relief because I don't have pain. Give them a call, 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. And you know what else made me feel good today? Uh, it, this, was, this was a total surprise. This was a complete blindsiding uh, in, in my, uh, my day. Uh, I learned a new word. I learned a new word, and the word is, for those of you who remember the old Puro Pelka Saturday morning show, Word of the Week, today's word of the day is... Janana. What is it? Janana. Thank you. Janana. Janana. It's a word that means knowledge. And this word made me, made me so happy. Why? Because I learned about this word when I met... Edith Fuller, the youngest qualifier for the Scripps Spelling Bee. You know, the Scripps National Spelling Bee that's going on right now? This kid is amazing. This kid is absolutely amazing. Uh, she has lifted my spirits in a time when you're looking at all the madness going on in the world and you're saying, oh, we're doomed. We're doomed, especially when you realize all the snowflakes that are taking over the world and and you, you think they, they're never going to get it. They're never going to make, uh, make us happy or proud. Well, then I saw a little piece on ESPN about this young lady, and I, I just lit up. My name is Edith Abigail Fuller. F-U-L-L-E-R. And I'm the youngest person to qualify for the National Spelling Bee. How amazing is that? At five, she qualified for the National Spelling Bee. This kid is amazing. She's just a, a bright light in, in the strangest times I've witnessed. And when she was at the qualifier, the, the, the final word, it was down to two kids. And it looked like one of the kids we always see in the Spelling Bee, the kid that you know is going to grow up and be a doctor, probably be seven different specialties. And he's like, 12 years old and a foot and a half taller than this little five-year-old kid. And she stands up after he screws up the word and she gets her final word. This is the anticipated championship word. Janana. Janana. Will you please give me the definition? Jan Can you imagine? You're five, first of all. You're in the finals. You saw the guy in front of you screw up his word. Now you get your word, Janana, and I'm thinking, that can't be a word. That can't really be a word. And yet Edith Fuller, little Edith Fuller goes, could you please give me the definition? Knowledge. Janana. J-N-A-N-A, Janana. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking she screwed it up. I'm thinking she has no idea what she's doing. She just spelled J-N-A-N-A-H, Janana. And she even did the thing because, you know, spelling bee, you got to say the word, spell it, and then say the word again. 
So she she says J Janana J N A N A H, and here's the result. You're our champion. She's standing there, and they hand her a trophy that's just about as big as she is. <laughs> and then she's off to the National Spelling Bee. And I don't care how far she gets in the National Spelling Bee. I think she's already the winner. This kid, remarkable. Mom and Dad, I think this is a homeschooled child. I think Edith Fuller is a product of homeschooling and just adorable I will tweet out a link to the ESPN piece. It's under five minutes long, and it's worth a break in your life to, to watch this little angel. I am so buoyed by her, her presence and the fact that this kind of a child exists. And uh, hopefully we'll hear more from her in the future, I'm sure. But well done, Edith Fuller from Tulsa, Oklahoma the youngest ever qualifier for the National Spelling Bee. She's already spelled words that I will never be able to spell. We're taking a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Adam Credo about the president's decision to delay moving the embassy. Is it a broken promise? What does it mean? We'll dig in next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. It is a, a throwback Thursday. I got You know what? I, I should do a, a, a little bit of throwing back here, shouldn't I? On this date, June 1st in 1980, this happened, and uh, most of you probably missed it. Thank God we have the Internet. Take three. Ready, 13, full. Ready, camera three. One center up. Good evening. I'm David Walker. And I'm Lois Hart. Now here's the news. President Carter has arrived in Fort Wayne, Indiana for a brief visit with civil rights leader Vernon Jordan. This was the opening of CNN. Can you imagine? We did not have cable news until June 1st, 1980. And that was the, the actual first, first words from newscasters. Ted Turner came out and gave a little speech beforehand. But Lois Hart and David Walker were the anchors. And they were husband and wife. A little bit of broadcast trivia for you on a throwback Thursday. But let's fast forward to right now. Earlier today, Donald Trump decided we're not moving that embassy, even though he promised to do it. He promised all along the campaign that uh, his pro-Israel Israel supporters would appreciate it, that we were going to move the capital, move the embassy to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. And... Um, 
this may cause a problem. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe it's being done for other reasons to discuss it with us. A guy who's been on the show before, Adam Credo from the Washington Free Beacon, who has written about this today. Adam, welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here because, frankly, you know, there are there are a lot of things swirling around this decision. And I guess there's a lot of pieces to this. What's the what's the overview that we need to know and what are the key points we need to pay attention to? Sure. Well, essentially, I mean, it's it's worth flashing back quickly to uh, the campaign trail when Trump was trying to sway supporters, particularly uh, voters in the pro-Israel community. It was a good campaign issue because we had just come from eight years of the Obama administration where they were quite upfront and honest about their efforts to kind of have some distance with Israel and uh, be more willing to criticize Israel. So as part of his uh, effort to sway these pro-Israel voters, Trump made the declaration that he would move the U.S. embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv, where it is now, to Jerusalem. That's a pretty big promise because it takes a clear stand on the status of Jerusalem, which for Middle East peace is a major issue. The Palestinians also stake claim to this. Congress uh, passed a law in 1995 that mandates the U.S. embassy be moved to Jerusalem, Israel's capital. But every president since then has issued a waiver that essentially says in efforts to foster Middle East peace and my um, executive power as a president, I will not move the embassy. Um, Bush did it. Uh, Obama, of course, did it. And now Trump in his first test has done this. The waiver uh, delays any future decision or moving of the embassy for another six months. So essentially what this is, is to some, I think, breaking that campaign promise. Now, the White House would tell you, no, I spoke to them just this morning about it and asked them, well, what's the deal? You were very adamant about moving the embassy. Trump said be one of these day one uh, promises he'd uphold. And the White House was pretty clear with me, um, which I appreciated. And they said essentially that, look, the president is trying to focus on restarting peace talks, getting the Israelis and Palestinians back to the table, moving the embassy at this time would clearly upset the Palestinians. So this is an effort to appease them. However, the idea and the urge to move the embassy is not off the table. So essentially, they'll revisit it in six months. And that's where we stand kind of at this point. So this is, in essence, an olive branch to the Palestinians to say, hey, we're not going to move the embassy if you guys come to the table and start talking about peace. But isn't this the same movie we've had over and over again since that initial declaration and since that initial delay that that was signed by Bush years ago? Yeah, well, I think that's um, uh, kind of what this White House is is missing. Every president kind of comes into office and uh, looks at Middle East peace, picks up that portfolio and plays with it a little bit. The Obama administration certainly did in its first term and found that it was nearly impossible, even though they exerted so much pressure on Israel. They thought it would foster goodwill. But at the end of the day, the Palestinians have an incredible unwillingness to actually come to the negotiating table in good faith. And I think in many ways, uh, Trump's administration uh, being 
being naive on this issue. The the people who are handling it, not just the president himself, but Jason Greenblatt and others who handle this portfolio, I think that they've been swayed by the rhetoric of the Palestinians. That is Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian Authority president, who came to D.C. and said, look, we're going to stop incitement that is uh, calling for the killing of Jews, uh, dedicating buildings named after terrorists, things of this nature. And the president's team kind of bought it and and really believe the rhetoric from Abbas that uh, the Palestinians are willing to come to the negotiating table. But as somebody who's not only lived in the region, but has covered this for uh, more than a decade now, I can tell you that's always where we start. And it's always a lie. And in my assessment, it continue uh, it will continue to be a lie. And the president is is falling forward and will make, waste a lot of clout, I think, uh, not just with his Israeli counterparts, but with others trying to foster peace. It's it's almost at this point um, a wish that is never bound to come true. But uh, the president believes he can do it. So he's going to uh, pursue that, I think. Yeah, I, I do believe. And we're talking to Adam Credo from uh, the Washington Free Beacon. You, you should follow him on Twitter because he's always got something interesting to say. And uh, has a little fun to him, too, which I appreciate, Adam. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And Well, you know, I think this president envisions himself as that ultimate deal maker. And that if he could be the guy to pull it off, I've said it before here, he would pretty much demand they carry the uh, the Nobel Peace Prize to him in Trump Tower yeah. and hand it to him if he gets this done. But we've seen, as you mentioned, presidents before say, I can get this done. How tough can this be? And yet here we are today with the same statement, with the same delay. And I just don't know how much of a broken promise this will be if he doesn't get it done in the first year. If in, let's say, six months from now, if we're in the fall and he comes back and says, well, we made some progress, but uh, I need to hold off on moving the embassy again. I wonder what his Jewish support will be like, what that what that very prized group of voters will say to the president and if it'll affect the midterms. I, I think they're doing the political calculus now on it. Do you have any sense on that? Yeah, I tend to agree with that assessment. And I would say beyond just the um, status quo remaining the same, uh, the Palestinians continue to foster terrorism. Uh, there continues to be stabbing attacks, bombing attacks. They happen routinely in Israel. Uh, they, they don't always get as much coverage, though. Our news media certainly likes to cover when uh, Israel does something such as uh, uh, go into a Palestinian territory to kind of root out terrorists. But yeah, broadly, I agree with your assessment that six months down the road, and the Palestinians are very good at this, that is giving very little but getting a lot in return. The president, in his own view, very well might say, look, I think I'm making progress, but uh, he, he might be fooling and deluding himself. Every president has kind of believed this. Clinton certainly came closer than anyone else, but still was not able to pull that trigger. And that was mainly due at that time to the Palestinian leadership continuing to support terrorism and giving no leeway when it comes to discussions. Look, the Palestinians uh, really don't want a Jewish state. So a two-state solution is not necessarily viable from the 50,000-foot perspective, let alone the nitty-gritty, that is, territory swaps and things of this nature. So, uh, again, I would say I think uh, Trump's advisors are 
pushing him in the wrong direction if they tell him that they think he can uh, do this. And again, it's not this is not a real estate deal. This is a political deal. And the realities of that are very different uh, than doing business. Uh, I mean, they're all deals, but this is certainly something very different than brokering a monetary agreement. This is two people with uh, so much tension and so much hate and so much uh, build up history that it's very difficult to break through that and not getting easier. Yeah, you, you make a great point, and I'm going to wrap it on that, that this is not a real estate deal. This is a much bigger deal. This is a culture deal. This is a trying to build uh, some sort of relationship between two neighbors who don't ever want to get along, it seems, or at least one of them doesn't want the other one even to exist. And that's where right. the problem lies, I think, unless the Palestinians stop wishing for the end of the Jewish state. I don't know if Trump's ever going to be able to pull it off. I hope he does, because I would love to see him do what what no other president in my lifetime has been able to do. And that's truly bring peace to that region and truly support our probably our one of our most loyal allies ever in the state of Israel. Adam, thank you, my friend. I appreciate you jumping on the phone and and hopefully uh, hopefully you'll come again to the uh, the Piero Pelka family. Absolutely. It's always my pr uh, pleasure. I'm happy to join you anytime. Have a great rest of your day. Michael Pelka and Pure Opelka will be back after the break. Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Uh, a couple of things going out. Uh, if if you were wondering, that was Adam Credo, K-R-E-D-O, from the Washington Free Beacon. He was just talking with me about the decision by the Trump administration to delay the move of the embassy, the U.S. embassy in Israel, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Uh, for various different reasons. I, I think it's a dangerous idea. I'm I'm all for living up to campaign promises. A couple of other things happening today. I want to have a, a real discussion and a review of the LeBron James video. I don't have enough time to do it here. What a great response. What a powerful... My respect for LeBron James has increased over the last few years, because, you know, I'm a dedicated Michael Jordan fan just because of, you know, Chicago, et cetera. And I've, I've watched this guy grow up and I've watched him do things for his community. But how he spoke yesterday after that incident at his home uh, just just earned even more respect. Also, at the top of the next hour, we're going to talk with my friend who's also somebody pretty smart, Anne-Marie Morell, the Politichick creator, one of the founders of Politichicks. And you've heard her on this show because they, they have a book out and a, a new book, which I'm looking for my copy. I guess I put it upstairs in the library. Uh, we will talk to Anne-Marie Morell about a real fascinating twist that she noticed when watching the A&E series about Scientology. Ah, just knocked me out. And then 
then there was this story um, that everybody's talking about Hillary Clinton blaming everyone but herself. And, and this, this little piece of video caught me today. The RNC data office is actually posted it on Twitter. I'll retweet it, but check this out. You know, I set up my campaign and we have our own data operation. I get the nomination. So I'm now the nominee of the Democratic Party. I inherit nothing from the Democratic Party. What do you mean nothing? I mean, it was bankrupt. It was on the verge of insolvency. Its data was mediocre to poor, non-existent, wrong. I had to inject money into it. This is the DNC. The, the DNC to keep it going. Okay. Donald Trump, who did nothing about really setting up any kind of data operation, inherits an RNC data foundation that after the Republicans lost in 2012, and they thought they had a very good operation with the setup that Romney did, the called Orca. They thought that was really state of the art. They lose. So they raised, best estimates are close to $100 million. They brought in their main vendors. They basically said, we will never be behind the Democrats again. And they invested between 2012 and 2016 this $100 million to build this data foundation. They beta tested it. Uh, they ran it, somebody was able to determine about 227,000 surveys to double check, triple check, quadruple check the information. So Trump becomes the nominee and he is basically handed this tried and true, effective foundation. Okay, you, you heard it. You heard Hillary Clinton, who lost the election, basically trashing her own party, saying they gave her crap, saying that they were bankrupt, that they had to, they had to uh, pump money into it in order to make it work. And that's the reason why she lost and that the, the Republicans were superior because they pumped $100 million. This woman raised more money. Wasn't this a billion-dollar election? And I guess Trump, who didn't have to go out and raise the money, I guess he's the dummy? Really? Scott Baio's wife just tweeted this today, too. Why in the Sam Hill was Hillary a keynote speaker at a tech conference when her server was in someone else's crapper? Anyone else? I think that's a mic drop moment from Scott Baio's wife. Why in the Sam Hill was Hillary Clinton a keynote speaker at a tech conference when her server was in someone else's crapper? Drop the mic. Keep going. We'll be back after the break. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. 
The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.